0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Verse. It's Brandon and I here for episode 103. Jimmy has bowed out of this this fun one, I guess we'll say, because Rome is coming off a very, very disappointing loss at the hands of Atalanta at the Olympico yesterday, one nothing. the The numbers don't spell that story out, Brandon, but that was the final score. So, what you, what you make of the match yesterday? Before we get too deep into it.
1: Well, I will say before going on Twitter and seeing everybody's, the world's ending tweets after the loss, I thought they played pretty well. I mean, um, we'll get into some of the numbers a little bit, but in terms of creating chances, you couldn't really ask for anything more and it was just a matter of the finishing. But when you throw in the, the Balla's injury uh, in warmups, rolling him out at the last minute and you throw Matic in um, – that's another that's an early gut punch that is almost the equivalent of conceding a goal I feel like in some respects just because Dybala was uh wasn't is so crucial to your offense so I thought it was great that they kind of handled that almost as well as you could have expect would expect uh in terms of creating chances and then I'm sure we'll get into in the greater detail as well but when Mourinho got dismissed, that was another opportunity for them to kind of just wallow in their misery and let Atalanta Atalana run a rough shot all over them. So and they didn't do that. Um, so I think as I was watching it in real time, it kind of showed a glimpse of what this team could be when everything's clicking and everybody's, you know, if they're if they're creating this many chances um with Dybala, out with them out with people playing out of position you can only imagine how dangerous they could be um if everybody's fit but here we are battling another injury crisis and then when you're struggling with finishing as well that's when you get results like yesterday
0: yeah i mean if you look at the numbers and we'll go through some of them roma dominated this match and you know the Dybala injury and in warm ups was was certainly a a gut punch to to everyone involved right you, he's been in form i think he's contributed four goals and two assists in like eight matches in all competition so far. He's been their best player in the attack and Roma created plenty of chances. Like you said, Atalanta never controlled this match. Ne- never once did you feel like Roma was completely out of this match. I mean, even when it was one, nothing up until about the 90th minute, I was, I was hopeful for at least an equalizer and it just, the yeah. finishing let us down so many times.
1: Yeah. You- Probably, I would say, up until, like, the 85th minute, I was like, all right, if Roma can get one, I still feel good about our chances to win this game, actually, and then, obviously, that moment never came, but for (laughs) at least 90% of the match, I felt like they were right there to to actually win it still.
0: Yeah, so Roma won the possession battle 56-44, 21 shots, only five on target, but 21 total shots. I mean, they had 34 shot-creating actions to Adelante's eight, but... Atalanta capitalized on literally their one shot on target. Atalanta had a total of four shots, one on target. It was a Scalvini goal. If you picked out one player in this match for Atalanta to score a goal in the, in the manner that he scored it, it certainly wouldn't have been a 19-year-old center back who drifted in with a late run, uh, a, a nice pass from uh, Pal- Pasalic, and he just slotted it in. Patricio, no chance. The defense kind of got caught off guard because you don't expect the center back to make that run there, playing from the three-man defense. And Roma just could never find the back of the net. They they did plenty of things right. I mean, you look at the XG, FB reference has it 2.5. That's the lowest I've seen. Seti XG, that Twitter account has it at 3.28. I mean, Roma really should have scored two, three goals at minimum in this match. And the finishing just, just let them down. I mean, they certainly missed DiBala in the regard that dibal has been the guy who's actually been finishing most of his chances, he has had a couple of posts and a couple of misses, but he's at least got those four goals. Whereas, you know, Tammy, Shamoradov, even Pellegrini right now, Zaniolo, nobody, nobody's finding the back of the net when they need to. There were a couple flashpoints, so to speak, involving Zaniolo, which we'll get to, but it just felt like nobody could hit the broadside of the barn yesterday.
1: Yeah, definitely. And going back to at- Atalanta's goal real quick, you, the way that sequence played out, you would have expected it to be one of those where, um, as Scalvini's coming up, he would hit it first time. And as soon as that didn't happen, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, danger subsiding and then little simple shift to his right foot and curled it past, uh, Rui and there you go. One, nothing. Um, which was definitely frustrating, but on our, from our perspective, I think, uh, Tammy in particular was particularly, was frustrating. Um, the pair of chances that he had in the first half, I think. The second one where he kind of, you know, tried to just squeeze it past the keeper with the outside of his foot, that's a little more, um, you know, you don't expect that to to go in as much. But that, that first opportunity, opportunity where he just, you know, went very narrowly wide right, got it past the keeper, but just also past the post, that was extremely frustrating because – an informed Tammy you would have expected to to bury that nine times out of ten um and then Abanez uh with an equally good chance as well and you would expect at some point the script will flip and some of these chances will go in but um in terms of timing this couldn't have come you know during during a worse game you're going up against a top four rival and these are the points that you need to get when you want to qualify for the Champions League. So it's very frustrating in that regard.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, you had Juventus losing, Inter losing, um, Milan Not, losing right. to, to Napoli. So only Napoli and Lazio got three points in the weekend. Fiorentina got three points. They they haven't been playing as well either. But the opportunity was there to, to give yourself a little breathing room over Inter, over Juve, make up the ground on Milan and pass them. And it was it was an opportunity wasted because now instead of Either keeping within one point of Adelanta or jumping ahead. I believe now we're four points behind Atalanta, who's uh still unbeaten. Five wins, two draws. So Adalanta's proving to be, I guess, the bounce back team so far, considering uh the way they're playing after a, a poor season by their standards last year. I mean, defense played well again, didn't didn't concede much, right? Like we said, four shots. I mean, Ibanias just continues to be a stat stuffer in, in the defense. I was just looking through the stats and jumped out. I mean, he had 10 interceptions. He had five clearances. He again led the team in bo- loose ball recoveries with 15. So, I mean, this guy, besides the chance, he he got saved by Sportiello, which being a center back, don't really expect him to maybe have the right. finishing ability of like a Dybala. He, he had another strong match as he goes off to play for Brazil for the first time in the interna- international break.
1: Yeah. Seemingly emboldened by that Brazil we'll call-up as he should be. It was another great performance from him. I, there's many a tackle that he made that you know arguably only he could make um and that's the type of player that he is and thank thankfully we have him it's just a shame we couldn't you know put a couple on the board on the other end to to justify his efforts on the night but all in all the defense played really well um and that was one of the things that stood out to me most is that I didn't feel particularly worried about conceding again throughout the match. Even when the famous Roma killer, uh, Modi L got yeah. on the pitch, <laughs> there was a moment where he had the ball at his feet and I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But, um, they, the defense handled it well. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's another sign of their growth. And then going back to the, the table point that you were making real quick, I mean, If we had won, we'd be level on points with Udinese in third. And when you talked about... Obviously, it's important not to get too far ahead of yourself at this point in the season. But when you're a point behind the um, teams at the top of the table and it's Napoli and Atalanta, you have to... you You could definitely envision a scenario where the noise around Roma's Scudetto chances kind of starts to pick up when, you know, it's... OK, Napoli's at the top of the table, but they're notoriously fall off under Spalletti in the second half of the season. And then Atalanta's been up and down the last couple seasons. So you don't really uh, peg them to stay up there either. And so huge missed opportunity on that uh, front. And then our next match coming out of the international breaks against Inter, who lost. Um, they're getting Lukaku back. They're going to be pissed off. And probably the worst time to play them, if we're being honest.
0: Yeah, I think it's the worst time, especially with the two-week break in between from a perspective of form. Inter's been very inconsistent. They they have not played well at all in the league. They're they're on 12 points, they're actually a point behind Roma. Juve, really poor form. I mean, that law that or that draw rather looks even more frustrating by the day, by the that passes <laughs> by because this Juve is not very good and and Roma continued to be mental midgets in turn. We saw that in match day. I think it was two or three and he kind of rue that draw even more now than he did then, because then it was kind of like, okay, we came back. We got a point now. It's like, wow, Juve is not very good. They they gave Monza their first ever Serie A win this past weekend. Um, and then this Atalanta one, in some ways, I'd rather lose the way Roma lost to Udinese and just have a bad day and just chalk it yeah. up to having a bad day, than lose the way that Roma lost yesterday that to me, that was such a frustrating match to watch. I'm sitting there watching it, and it's just like every chance I went begging, you're just like, come on, like something's got to find the back of the net. I had um my buddy and his wife are in Rome on, on a vacation, a short vacation, they had the opportunity to get tickets. He's like, should we go? And he's not a big, you know, Calcio fan or anything. He's more of an American sports fan. I was like, yeah, definitely take take the chance. It's a big game against Atlanta. And yeah. as he's sitting there at the stadium, I'm like, after the match, I texted him and his wife, I'm like, sorry, you guys had would watch that shit. Hope the rest of your vacation is, is great because this it was just so frustrating to watch. And uh, he's a big Islanders fan like me and his wife who gets forced to watch many of the games with him goes, this is like watching the Islanders because they just That's frustrate the hell is. out of you. So um, just so frustrating to watch. So, I, I mean, I, I just was sitting there like, how can we not get a goal? It was just, I, if we had recorded 24 hours early, I'd probably be going off on a rant. If we had recorded right after the match, I texted you yesterday. I was like, this is just... It's so frustrating yeah.
1: yeah i um i'm hoping at some point in our conversation that there will be a switch that flips and you just you know <laughs> <laughs> it all starts coming back <laughs> but um yeah and uh g- going off of that i just had flat flashbacks to um coming on and the few chances that he had that were um, you know there were pretty decent chances as well and just couldn't come off, which for him you feel for him a little bit. Um, I know I've been one of you know I've been pretty critical of him when we get on the show, but um, that was his moment to get back in the good graces yeah. and yeah. Um, on the heels of a goal against uh, Guretz, um, you know the other week this. You would, have, you would have pegged him to be able to do something. And it just, that header that he missed was drove me up the wall. Um, but it wasn't just him, it was the whole team, so I can't really pick on him for that one. But that was a great opportunity for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. And of course, I think if Dybala plays, maybe this match plays out a bit differently. You don't have to have that awkward Matic cristante pairing in the midfield. I think Pellegrini looked pretty good when he dropped back. He was making some late runs and, and creating some chances. Once he did drop back, when it was, uh, I think it was Cristante who got pulled for Bellotti. And, the, um, you know, that changed things a bit. The other big thing was Zagnolo in the late in the first half when Roma was down a goal, didn't get pulled down because credit to him, he stayed on his feet. And all the time I watch these matches, and whether it's Roma or other matches in, in Europe, and you see guys go down so easily. And, and Zagnolo's guilty of it a lot of the time. This time he decided to stay on his feet in the box. His shorts were getting pulled by Demiral, who was down on the, the, the touch line. Doesn't go down. Hefe apparently plays the advantage, which disappeared by the time Zagnolo really had a chance to play the ball. Didn't even go to VAR. I, I was shocked it didn't go to VAR. I thought it should have at least gone to VAR for a look, and then they could interpret it as they will. But um, I mean, when you're getting pulled like that, you, you got to figure it affects the play, even if he stays on his feet.
1: Yeah, a little. A few more seconds of holding onto his shorts or shirt. This man would have been naked, half naked <laughs> on yeah. the pitch. Um, so that was very frustrating, obviously, it incensed Mourinho to the point that he got sent off, which is always hilarious to see Mourinho fired up like that, um, if you ask me. But, yeah, that was, I mean, Jimmy is probably the biggest proponent of the Zaniello is wrongfully aggrieved at all times by the refs, and this was another, um, you know, something to submit as evidence of that. And it's it's funny because the two the two biggest penalty shouts on the night probably were on opposite ends of the spectrum where Zaniel doesn't go down, doesn't get the call, and then arguably dives on the other one, yep. again, doesn't get the call. And so it's, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't.
0: Yeah, pretty much, right. If he goes down, I think on the first one with Demiral, I, I think it's a hundred percent a penalty. I don't think Keefe even thinks about it because of the way the mat. He he completely out physical Demiral for the ball. Demiral went down on the shoulder, shoulder, and just grabbed him for dear life, and he stays up. Now he did have the opportunity, I think, to pass to Tammy. He kind of had the yeah, blinders on a little yeah, bit on yeah. that play, so it could have potentially been an easy goal anyway. But that's beside the point. I thought it was penalty. And then you're right. In the second half, there was the opportunity where he was. um I forget the defender's name, but they were pretty much shoulder to shoulder, both grabbing each other and he doesn't go down. And I think it was Ocoli was actually the defender who came on at halftime. He had for Scalvini for whatever reason he came on. And when he went there and that's when you kind of saw his underwear and everything, right. As they're grabbing shorts and he goes <laughs> down, he, that was a bit of a dive, right. So that would have been probably a yeah. little bit softer. They're going 50, 50 they're both grabbing. That's like one of those like no calls on a pass interference here in, in American football where the, yeah. they're hand checking each other and they just let it go. And I felt I was fine with that one being like, oh, but I think what precipitated the Mourinho getting so annoyed and everything was that the first one wasn't called. Then you don't even look at this one when he does go down, even if it is a dive. Right. And there was another instance where they were kind of shoulder to shoulder and Zanyol got nothing and they were grabbing each other. So I think it was just, if the first one gets called, everybody's probably fine with the second one, not being called. And Mourinho after the match, he had had a great quote. He goes, I, uh, after the match, he spoke to Keefe. And he went. He goes. I went to ask the referee to ask him why he didn't give a penalty in the first half. I told him I want to be the best possible coach in the world, telling my players not to dive if they can continue the action. I asked him if it is impossible to give a penalty if the player does not throw himself on the ground. He goes. If I, if he says yes, I change my training with my players and tell them to go for it. He didn't answer me. I wanted an objective answer, and his observer politely replied that it depends on the criteria, and he didn't answer me. So. Mourinho being, you know, the 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 man he is with his way of, with words was basically like <laughs> should I tell my players to dive? Because if they should dive, I'll tell them I'll tell them to dive in training. We'll 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 be diving off the high dive probably all day when we're in yeah. the box with contact. Yeah. Because you see it all the time, right? I mean, the guy goes down too easy and he gets he gets the, the penalty.
1: Yeah. And um it's personally I like seeing people play through the contacts and I agree. And, uh, you know, if it gets called, it gets called and you go from there. But, um, and I don't know if it needs to be Zaniolo specific training and the refs are still not, not used to him being a little more slimmed down and view him as this big bruiser that he was last year. Um, with the addition of all that muscle mass, but you know, it's, uh, I'm curious to see. I wish I, I wish there was a way to determine what the call would have been if that was Dybala for example, who mm-hmm. historically has gotten many a call at UVA, and if it's just like some implicit bias against Daniolo or whatnot. But um, yeah, it's uh, like I mentioned, it's it's a growing list of um, injustices from the refs. Um, I I wasn't particularly hurt over the second uh, penalty shout, but that first one was pretty egregious for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And again, you know, Roma had plenty of chances. Of this match she didn't fall behind until the 35th minute. So it wasn't like the Juve fall behind five minutes into the match with the Vlaovic free kick. But again, we see Roma fall behind and and struggle to find a goal when they need to find it. It's not that they didn't create, because there's some matches where they kind of get, you know, the, the the team will park the bus a bit, make it tough on them, and, and they have trouble creating they created plenty in this one, and they just couldn't finish. But it, it kind of just goes back to show us that when Roma falls behind and they can't play on the counter for the most part, it becomes very difficult for them to find the back of the net, which is starting to become a bit of a worrying trend. Um, I saw a couple different tweets that had some interesting stats. So there was one from Carlo Garganese who put out today. It was Serie A team pressing. Um, the amount of times that team presses per 90 minutes. Uh, Napoli had the most with 81, tied with Fiorentina in the league, trying to pressure teams into mistakes. Lernitan is up there, Milan. Last place is Juve with forty-two, Roma with forty-three. I think in part, I don't mind that as much because I think the strategy a lot with Marino with the way he's got this team set up, seeing the way we're built, is to kind of absorb pressure and then counter. Is that the way you see it too? Is that why that that number is the way it is, do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it, and that doesn't that number doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think even going back to these Europa league group stage matches, it's the same scenario where we're ceding possession to these teams that you would normally expect a team of Roma's stature to just come out and dominate possession from start to finish. But part of the game plan, that's not, that's not how Mourinho wants the team to operate and is looking more so to hit them on the counter, which is fine. It's, it's worked at one Roma European trophy. So no gripes for me on that one. I think at the same time, maybe it's a question of personnel. So if you have, Matic and Cristante out there in that double pivot, are you going to be more inclined to press higher up the pitch? Probably not. Um, And so it's, you know, it's, it's probably a dual aspect of the approach that Mourinho prefers as well as the personnel out there. So those numbers don't really bother me. I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, given the circumstances of this match that Roma did dominate the possession battle, um against a team like Atalanta who uh you know can go 0, zero to a hundred at any moment and, and hits you and blitz you for a few goals here and there. So um they're capable of doing it. It's just uh it seems to be a matter of picking their spots. But at the same time, um, you know, you wonder why don't we see more of this? Um because clearly even even being down at Dabala, um, they're able to do it.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go through I'll go through the the seven league matches first and I'll give you the two uh, Europa League matches. I'm going to go xG4 xG again. So Salernitana 2.4 0.5 against Roma wins that match 1-0. Cremonese 3, 3 4 exactly 3 uh, against half a goal. They win 1-0. The Juve draw 0.9 for Roma 0.6 for Juve. The Monza w- uh, win, 3-0, 2.5 for Roma, 0.8 for Monza. Uh, the only match they've lost the XG so far in the league was Udinese, where they were 0.9, and Udinese was 1.2, and they lost 4-0. We know that that was a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that match. And then it was Empoli, 2-1 win, 2.6 to 1.6 in favor of Roma. Yesterday was, and these are all off FB reference. Like I said, their XG was the lowest I saw. yesterday it was 2.5 to, to 0.2. So even if you take that as the 2.5, that still in, in, you know implies two to three goals. Um, and then Europa League 1.6 to 1.3 against Ludogorets, they lost 2 1. And then HJK was the one where they actually performed to what was expected. They had, they won 3 0. It was 3.1 xg, uh, to a 0. 0.3 again. So Roma xg4 just in the league. Uh, I had the number here, it was 17.51 expected goals from this one source I found. And Roma has only scored eight goals in the league. So, what do you think that the issue is? Is it just bad luck? Is it I mean, these these are quality players. We're not talking about like guys coming up from the primavera that are in over their heads or journeyman players that are almost running out there and, and creating this XG and then just not finishing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to chalk it up to just bad luck because it's been a running theme so far. But at the same time, they're doing all the hard stuff and no problem, which is, you know, creating those chances and it's just a matter of finishing them. So it it's
0: it would be an easy
1: argument to make that it's just a matter of bad luck, and that the uh, you know the script will flip at some and They'll start um, converting some of these opportunities, but given that it's been uh, you know game in game out issue with this club, it's, I don't know. It's I feel like the easy answers are either you know let's chalk it up to bad luck or it's a confidence thing, but it doesn't really seem to be either and yet at the same time we know that these players all can be very capable finishers um, when they're on form so it's it's it's, it's tough um, could it be the fact that um, you know you're you're seeding possession so often in the game so in terms of flipping the switch they're not able to do it to the point that they're uh, necessarily as clinical as they would be if we're dominating um possession and playing the game basically in the opponent's box, um, which you know I could get behind that theory, but I think you know i, I and but it's probably a mixture of all three things, right? where yeah. um it's a little bad luck, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of the play style um, but again, given the personnel that we have at our disposal in these positions, I think that it's something that they can fix.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the personnel is is in place to fix it. I think Tammy's off to a really poor start. And, you know, we saw what he can do last season. He was in talks for, you know, preseason favorites for Capo Caniera. He was like the, you know, third or fourth favorite, I think, in the the betting lines that they had put out uh, behind players like Vlaovic and Immobile. So the the players are there. Dybal's been the one guy who's kind of been, you know, up to par in terms of putting goals in the back of the net. They missed him yesterday. But it definitely is telling because, it's these things that catch up with you later in the season. When you look at the, the defense, the defense is performing really well, which is what you expect from Mourinho. The The expected goals against is 5.4. They've conceded seven. Four of those were in that one match out of, you know, the seven. So the other six matches, three goals conceded total. Uh, Roma's XG differential projected, they, they're they're plus a plus point, n- uh, 9.4. So they're expected to score nine more than they've conceded. Yet their actual goal differential is just a plus one because they've conceded seven and scored eight. So definitely underperforming in front of goal, but I do want to give the defense credit because, you know, the defense is, has been one of the better defenses in the league, especially when you throw that Udinese match out and, you know, use it as like an outlier. Ibanez has been amazing. Like we said, Smalling's been him pretty much himself for most matches. He had had a rough match against Udinese, but other than that, he's been good. I mean, the one thing I will say is anybody wants to point the, the finger at Mourinho right now, it's hard to point the finger at Mourinho when his team is creating so many chances and yet still defending so well and not bleeding goals like they were early last season. I, I put no blame on Mourinho for yesterday, especially given the personnel circumstance he was thrown at, you know, he said he, you know, they had practiced a lot of things during the week with DiBala, and all of a sudden things had to change and it kind of changed the game plan a little bit and and the team still performed outside of the goal scoring. So I can't blame the manager. I know that on social media, there's people blaming him yesterday.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I think there's probably some people on Twitter that are calling for Mourinho to be sacked, <laughs> which is just <laughs> the most absurd thing that you could do at this point. But um, yeah, I don't really yeah, I can't find too too much fault in Mourinho with, with the finishing and how the season's been going thus far. I think that um, outside of the Udinese game, we've had a chance to win every single match that we've been in. Yeah. We've won the majority of them. Um, we're right you know around where we want to be at the, at the top of the table. So a few unlucky breaks here and there, and that's kind of been the difference in our season thus far, but I can't really fault Mourinho for that, especially with, like you mentioned, the the ball elite scratch. I think as soon as that was announced, I didn't, I felt like this game was not going to go well. I, and they played way better than I thought they would given, given that late injury to um, Paulo. So, um and obviously the huge mitigating factor is the injuries. Yeah. Uh, what does this team look like when um you know the ball is healthy when all of them obviously that's the the biggest probably one of the biggest <laughs> of losses. Um and you know now we have Pellegrini muscle injury. El Sharari's been injured. Kumbula is still recovering. Tarzor just had surgery. So. Um, being what is it a point off? Um, top four, seven matches in with all those injuries uh that you have to deal with. I you know Marina has probably done as good a job as as any manager could do in those circumstances.
0: Yeah, I mean you look you look at, at up in Turin they're they're saying a light out, and there's no plans to sack him because of money from what I've read, uh, and he's not he's not going to dismiss himself. Uh, he's not going to resign. So I'd rather be in Roma's position than Juve's right now. And not just because they're three points up, just the whole structure of the way that team is functioning right now is not very good. Um, You know, Inzaghi's under a lot of pressure at Inter now. What happens if Roma can go to the San Siro on October 1st and win? How much pressure is is Inzaghi under? You know, he has the nickname Limone from some people for a reason. Uh, (laughs) So if Roma could take advantage of that situation, then, you know, all of a sudden you're four up on Inter and you're at minimum three up on Juve and you're, you're feeling pretty good. Milan has shown uh, kinks in the armor this season so far. You, you can't imagine, like you said, Udinese hangs around all season long. Teams like that that start fast sometimes will fade as as you know the nitty gritty gets going and the injuries. You know, people that want to blame Mourinho for running out a Monte Tristante Cristante double pivot again. Kamara admitted himself during his press conferences, introductory press conference, that he's not fully fit yet. He wasn't yeah. training with Villabiaco, so that wasn't really an option yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't drop Pellegrini back anymore with the Ball out unless you're going to maybe try a, you know, a heavy front line with, you can't really, it doesn't even really function with Zaniola, Belotti, and Abraham because there's no creativity there, right? It's more guys that are just going to run at you and and that's not really what you're looking for either. So you needed Pellegrini to move forward. You needed to plug him in. I know some people would say Bove, but he's young and unproven and you're going to throw him in against Atalanta. It's It's a risky proposition. So, but the big thing is you mentioned now, uh, Mourinho admitted in his pre-match press conference, besides the Dybala muscle strain, which I believe they said was a hamstring, is that Pellegrini was injured in match. And I'm going to find the exact quote. I have his comments up here. But um, he goes, now we have an issue with Lorenzo who pulled a muscle in his leg. He didn't want to leave once we went down one nothing. He wanted to play until the end like a true captain, like someone who wanted to help, but that's a problem for us now. So, um, And he said, we have to see in two weeks if it's enough time for both uh, Pellegrini and Dybala to recover so if he wanted to stay on after they went down with another that injury must have happened probably around the half hour mark you'd imagine and then he had to grit his teeth and he played a pretty decent match besides not scoring a goal on a couple of chances that he had but man I mean they're hoping to get El Shari back and Kambula back over this two-week break they're both projected to come back by the beginning of October um, he also said you know they have to wait on on two of their biggest playmakers Dibal and Pellegrini and then Mourinho also added his two weeks in which players like Belotti, Kamara, need to work to improve their physical level. Beyond this, nothing. A few days off, there isn't much to do. I would prefer Lorenzo and Paolo in the national team. It would have meant that they would not have worked with us, but it would have been ready for the next one. Uh, I did see both of those players had to go to their national team camps just to, I guess, to prove that they were actually hurt. I saw that Pellegrini did some individual training with the uh, Italian national team today. So maybe that shows that he, it wasn't a major issue, which you would imagine because he didn't come off the pitch. Um, you really have to hope that diballo was kind of just a pre- precautionary thing. Like he felt a little sweet. Let's not push it with a two week break ahead of us.
1: Yeah. It's, and um, you know, his injury, I, I'm going to chalk it up to everybody talking up about how he hasn't played yeah. this many minutes since yeah. his <laughs> Palermo days. So of course he's going to pull up in warm ups next game. Um, But, yeah, it's obviously fingers crossed that we're able to get both of them back in advance of the Inter game, um, knowing how massive the implications are for that one. And then I, I, I'm i starting to worry about if um there will be a point in the season where you'd uh, – let me knock on wood real quick, but there will hopefully be a point in the season where everybody's healthy – everybody's fit and I suspect we'll Roma will go on a significant run there, but I worry that it might be too little too late at that point. And then we'll be wondering about what could have been, Um, but you know, that's, that's way further down the road, but for now, you know, you're just hoping to get some of these guys back. And then um, I think you made a great point about throwing Kamara and Bove in, into the match um, is that really the setting that you want to throw them into? Yeah, especially given how well that Rumble were playing. It's not as if um, I know a few folks were attributing um, Atalanta's goal to Montage and Cristante's positioning. But even even if that's the case, overall they're playing the the teams playing very well against an opponent um, that could be quite dangerous and having them pinned back. So in terms of getting that equalizing goal, I totally understand sending Belotti and Shmurdov on there um, instead of Bobe or Kamara, um, at least to start, and it almost worked out, you know, a little um, I forget who, who nicked the who nicked the pass, but Shmurdov had Belotti wide open with a wide open mm-hmm. net in front of him and just you know, centimeters away, uh, and there would have been your equalizer right there, so I think, um, you know, every, they'll get up to speed and there will be opportunities for them to make their mark in games down the road. But I think for from yesterday's perspective, the substitutions are probably as good as you were going to get. Maybe you can send some folks on a little bit earlier, but I had no problem with it.
0: Yeah, and and like Mourinho said, it's going to be big for Kamar and Bilotti to to find their match fitness because when Roma comes back from this international break, Saturday, October 1st, They go to the San Siro to face a scuffling inter side. Then they host Real Batiste and their, you know, their biggest group stage opponent in the Europa League. Then it's Lecce at home, which, you know, on paper should be a win, but nothing's easy these days. And then it's Batiste again in a two week period. They play them twice back to back Thursdays, the toughest opponent in their group. So that beginning of October is going to be very big. Uh, And then it's Samp. And then we have Napoli uh, a week later. So there's, I guess out of those, was that, five, six matches, four of them are against, quote-unquote, big opponents, twice Betis. So three big opponents with Betis coming in there twice. It's going to be a tough stretch. Uh, Karsdorp is going to miss all those matches. He's out for six weeks with the meniscus surgery. Um, they're going to need Pellegrini and Dybala back ASAP. Um, also, El Sharari providing a spark off the bench would be a big. Kambula to give a little rotation in the back because um, you don't want to wear out those guys either. Even the guys in the back, they do work hard, even though they do less running than the midfielders are or forwards do a lot of the time. So I don't know, Brandon, it's going to be a tough stretch. We're going to have to keep our fingers crossed over this break to just hope that guys get healthy. Yeah.
1: You know, I hadn't really uh, looked at the schedule um, and the month of October specifically until you just laid it out like that. Um, And you're right. It's a pretty big month. Um, The Batiste games are going to be basically determinative of who wins the group. I would imagine. Yeah. So And you want to avoid um, the big boys coming down from the Champions League um, who finished in third place in those groups. So, you know, you always trust Mourinho and knockout fixtures, but if you can avoid having to do uh, the qualifying rounds where you face those third-place teams right off the bat, I I believe that's how that works, where if you are first in your group, you you skip that. Yeah, you avoid
0: them, yeah. Yeah.
1: So... Um, those games are going to be you know huge, and based on that preseason friendly uh that we had with Batiste, you know, it's kind of going to be um a little feisty affair, so that's you know that's going to be exhausting, and that's coming right off the back of the intermatch, which you know is going to be another exhausting mm-hmm. effort. So it's great that you have games against your Leches and your Sampdorias, no disrespect to them, but obviously on a different level. Um, so you have those sandwich in between, but you know, Batiste twice enter in the beginning of the month, Napoli towards the end of the month, um, with three other games thrown in there. Uh, it's going to be all hands on deck. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. No, uh, no additional injuries.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully everybody who's going off on international duty, um, you know, Abraham and whoever else is out there. Get, doesn't nothing happens knock on wood right because we need yeah. to recover guys not lose anybody else and just to throw out there batiste is actually third in la liga right now a point behind barcelona three behind real madrid they've got five wins one loss in their six matches so they are playing very very well right now i think the only loss might have actually been to madrid um our old friend no monchi uh, i don't know if you've seen a lot of liga Saints anytime recently sevilla has five points in six matches so i guess he's doing his <laughs> i guess he's I'm- doing his the best work there too these days I will
1: admit, I'll probably watch more Sevilla than I should because, as you know, I'm a huge East Coast guy, so I'm I'm interested in seeing how how he's adapting, playing for Sevilla. Sevilla. But um, I always feel dirty doing it because I feel like I'm (laughs) roundabout way supporting Monchi.
0: (laughs) So there it is. We'll end on Brandon's dirty little secret as we head into the (laughs) international break uh stick with us on the site for any injury updates anything that's going on over the the break i know these international breaks when it's not a uh, transfer season can be a bit dull at times. so we'll do the best to keep you guys entertained thanks again for listening and brent anything you want to leave the listeners with
1: nope you i've revealed my secret that's all that's all you're getting from me
0: <laughs> all right we'll catch you guys soon